Hello and welcome to the Royal College Psychiatrist podcast with me, Ella Marchant. You're listening to the Climate Change Podcast mini-series, which we are bringing to you alongside the College's position statement on sustainability. Our mental health is deeply connected to the health of our natural world, and we will be exploring this connection across three short podcast episodes. On episode two, we will be talking to Dr Catherine Kennett, who is a child and adolescent psychiatrist working in North London and is the social prescribing lead for the Royal College Psychiatrists. She is an active member of the College's Sustainability Committee and has spoken widely on social prescribing and the links between mental health and sustainability. Catherine was the lead author on the College's position statement on social prescribing and she believes passionately that climate change and access to green spaces are social determinants of mental health and should be treated as such. Catherine, could you please tell us a little bit about your work and how sustainability fits into mental health care? Yes, thank you for having me. Um, so, so as you said, I'm Dr Catherine Kennett and I'm the Royal College of Psychiatrists lead on social prescribing. Um, I'm involved in the sustainability committee and my day job is as an ST6 uh, trainee psychiatrist in North London. In terms of sustainability, um, I've been involved in sustainability in the college for about six years um, and it's a really exciting aspect of mental health care and I think something that links so closely with what we do. Um, In terms of how it fits in, Sustainability is so closely li- linked to psychiatry and mental health care. And as I say, that's something that I don't think that many people are aware of. Um, sustainability, the environment, the natural world, um, the places where we live, our interaction with the, with the environment are all part of the social um, determinants of, of health that we think about all the time more classically in medicine, but particularly in mental health care. And the uh, climate change aspect, how nature affects us is all part of that. Um, In terms of my role, um, in my day job, I uh, use sustainable principles pretty much every day, as I think most psychiatrists do, probably without knowing it. Um, And in terms of my work at the college, I've been involved in in various aspects of policy development around sustainability and around uh, social prescribing specifically. I'm I'm not sure if your listeners are aware of what social prescribing is. Um, It's essentially supporting service users and anyone in the community to interact with their their local community and often their their natural environment near them in a way that's helpful to them, build connections. Um, It can have the effect of feeling really empowered, really part of a community. And I think we've all seen, particularly in lockdown, how connecting with other people and connecting with nature can play such a massively beneficial role in our mental well-being. Whether that's somebody who is just feeling a bit lonely, feeling a bit low maybe, um, or at the other end of the scale, someone with a severe and enduring mental illness can have can get huge benefits to support other aspects of their mental health care um, by being in nature and being with other people. And how beneficial do you think the natural world is in a time where we've had three lockdowns in a year? I think I think we all know the advantage the advantage and how important it is of being in the natural world and how hugely beneficial it can be. I mean, from a personal point of view, I got into gardening. I know that sounds um, unusual, but I was I was not somebody who was into gardening before. I had a tiny balcony, and I really found during particularly the first lockdown, being around uh, things growing, <laughs> hugely beneficial. But in terms of the wider population, I think we've all seen how important it is just to be in the natural world and we know from numerous studies actually it can be so beneficial 
whether you are, as I say, feeling a bit low, or whether actually you have a, a severe enduring mental illness. That actually being in the natural world can have huge benefits and being with other people as well. And I think outside spaces um, have can have a wonderful effect on our mental health. It, it might, it certainly is often not the only cure. It needs to be around other um, more traditional ways of managing mental health. So this isn't about saying that somebody with a severe and enduring mental illness just needs to get outside more, for example, or go for a walk. But we have seen that in supporting other um, traditional methods of mental health care, so alongside um, medication where that's needed, talking therapies where that's appropriate, other uh, sort of OT support, for example, that adding in nature-based care can be really helpful. It also has the effect of being quite empowering. So much of what we do in psychiatry is not truly patient-led. If somebody's very unwell, then actually often that's not the case that it's truly patient-led, because it can't be sometimes. And actually having this kind of aspect to, to healthcare, something that individuals are choosing to do, whether that's being outside in a nature-based walking group, whether that's just spending time amongst flowers, amongst birds, whatever it might be, or something a little bit more intense, things like um, sporting activities outside, can be hugely helpful, if it, particularly if that's something that someone is choosing to do. So you're very keen to join the two elements of not only being outside, engaging with the natural world, but also being part of a community as well. Yeah, I think um, in terms of social prescribing, they go hand in hand. Both are hugely beneficial. And often if we're in a difficult place, if we're having a difficult time, making the decision to get outside on your own can be quite hard. But being part of a group that um, can support you and encourage you in that can be massively beneficial it sort of takes away the um, decision making bit of it sometimes if you know that there are people waiting for you in a group in a community who can be with you in a space and enjoy it or feel part of the natural world together it can just be so beneficial it can be you know a connection not just to something bigger than than your experience you know, the, the planet nature the environment but also your community and knowing that there are other people there enjoying it too can be incredibly powerful. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think um, having mental health needs can make you feel very introspective and very insular and engaging with the outside world makes you remember that uh, you're bigger than just this one thing. So how is the climate crisis and ecological crisis going to affect us? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> I think humans' mental health and well-being and the planet's health and well-being are totally linked and we're going to see them be more and more linked in the in the coming I think months and years. We're already seeing the impact of climate change on our mental health. We don't have to go very far at all if we look at flooding for example that's been something that's becoming more and more frequent in the UK over the last few years. The um, impacts of that on individuals mental health are huge. So for example, recent studies have shown that almost a third of people who have had severe flooding in their homes in the UK have most likely got anxiety, so they meet the criteria for anxiety. Over a third have PTSD, this is at one year, and just under a third have likely depression. Now that's a big impact if we're thinking of the number of people who've been flooded, and that's just one natural disaster that can happen due to climate change. Um, that's massive, that's a huge number of people. If we look at the wildfires in Australia and in California over the last two years, again, it's not difficult to see how that 
massive social trauma losing your home being displaced potentially having um, injuries or, or personal tragedies in other ways directly due to these natural disasters that are becoming more frequent due to climate change has a huge impact on individuals mental health it's not that different from what we learn as trainees and what we we see every day as psychiatrists trauma contributes to mental ill health not for everybody but for a lot of people you need to be inc incredibly resilient and quite lucky i think to get by these massive traumas in your life without an impact on your mental well-being. There are other aspects too. So climate warming in itself is linked to all aspects of mental Ill health. So rising temperatures has been linked to higher mortality in those with mental ill health. Um, it also can be linked to those completing suicide. And things like pollution have been linked quite strongly to dementia and to completed suicide. So there are all sorts of aspects on the sort of immediate um, impacts of climate change particularly. We also spoke about in, our, in your previous question about um, the, the environment and the benefits of being in the natural world and us losing the natural biodiversity that the planet has as a direct impact of human action has a big impact. You know that resource, that wonderful natural world that we can see outside our windows and we can go for a walk in even in lockdown um, that we all feel the benefit of and certainly have felt in the last year, that's being lost and it's been lost at an, an alarming rate because of climate change and because of human action. And the other aspect of it is that large social changes that happen, wars, drought or things like famines, drought due to droughts that lead to huge migration, um, internal and international migration also have an effect on mental health. So we know again from, from our daily work that somebody who's had to move from their home to another part of a country or to a different country is at higher risk of some severe mental illnesses like psychosis. That's going to only going to increase if more people have forced migration. So the link between climate change and the environment's health and our own mental health as a population of the planet, and also, you know, even within the UK, are massive. The sooner we realise that, and the sooner we, we incorporate that in our practice, the better. And going back to mental health more, how can a psychiatrist or any mental health professional incorporate the use of the environment into their everyday practice? I'm so glad you asked that because I feel like the previous my previous answer was a little bit bleak <laughs> and I don't think it is bleak at all. I think there's an awful lot we can do as psychiatrists to um, to, to incorporate the sustainability principles and practices in our daily work. So at the sustainability committee at the, at the college, we've come up with five core um, principles of mental of sustainability and mental health. So their prevention. So this is something that we all do every day anyway in our practice. But prevention is so much better than cure in all senses, but particularly with sustainability. Keeping someone well is absolutely the best thing you can do. So that might mean actually being a little bit creative. It might mean going on that home visit, even if it means spending a little bit more time in the car, which might not be the best thing or whatever you might be using to try to get yourself there to prevent someone from getting unwell enough to require an inpatient stay for example which is hugely um uh it uses huge amounts of carbon huge amounts of of um, resources so prevention's number one number two is empowerment of patients so i've already spoken about how empowerment 
with the natural world can feel really powerful. But we want our patients to be empowered. We want all service users to be empowered to ask for what they think is helpful. So that means that resources will be used. If medications are prescribed, for example, if someone's empowered to use them and it's what they want and they're on board with their treatment plan, then they're much more likely to use what's been prescribed. They're much more likely to get well quicker or to stay well and less likely to waste those medications. We know that nearly a third of medications prescribed in the UK by doctors aren't taken. That's hugely wasteful. So empowerment's really, really important. The third one, empowerment of staff. So we know that there's a huge amount of burnout in mental health services from staff. Now, being sustainable also means being sustainable with our workforce. We've all gone through a huge challenge with COVID. You know, all of us are feeling quite tired, burnout's on the rise. So really making sure our staff are well looked after, not just so they can pass on that, that good care to their clients that they work with, but also so that they enjoy their work, that they feel refreshed, they're more likely to stay in services um, is really important as well. The fourth value that we've come up with or principle is high value care. Again, a lot of this is sounding like gold standard practice. And I think that's really key. And I'll come back to that in a moment. But actually, we want all the care we give to be of the highest value. So resources that are used are used in the best possible way to get the best outcome for them. And then the fifth and final principle we have is reducing waste or thinking about carbon, reducing carbon loss. And you'll see that 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 you might think might be the first one is very poignantly the fifth, because actually the other points are so much more important. Keep people well, keep staff empowered, keep patients empowered. Everything we do should have high value. So hopefully you can see that sustainable principles of mental health care are very much gold standard principles. This isn't about giving less care. This is about giving excellent care, incorporating the natural world, incorporating empowerment, working really well as we do to give the best possible outcome to our patients. It's not about taking something away and being um, stingy with our resources. And the natural world and communities are such a valuable resource and they're one that don't cost us anything in terms of the climate and in terms of the environment they're hugely um giving (laughs) you can spend time outside you can be in gardening groups you can go on walking groups you can be in community spaces in the natural world with others and it doesn't cost the planet anything in fact it gives to the planet if we're if we're spending time nurturing our natural world then that gives back to us as a community but it gives back to the natural world as well and that leads me nicely on to the next question which is, what would you say to a psychiatrist who felt that practising sustainable mental health care wouldn't work for their patients? I think it's all about thinking holistically. So sustainable mental health care is not about turning off the lights and not printing. Yes, those things can be brilliant. They can be really helpful. But if what you're printing or what you're turning on the lights to see can have a huge beneficial impact on somebody's mental health, then it is sustainable to choose to make those decisions. And actually, it's all about, as I say, thinking about the big picture, thinking holistically, seeing, looking after the environment, looking after our natural world as an investment in a human community, in as well as in the natural world itself. And thinking about everyday things we can do to follow those five principles. We've actually come up at the, at the committee with a um, top 10 highly practical tips for practicing sustainable psychiatry. And they're things like looking to see if your natural, if your local area has a 
um, social prescribing uh, scheme, if there are any link workers within social prescribing you can refer to, how to make sure your patients are on board with your prescribing plan so that everything that's prescribed is used, um, thinking about green methods of transport that are healthier and if they're safe to use to get from, from patient to patient either by cycling, by walking or using public transport. But it's um, they're very practical steps. And I think all of us have a responsibility actually to contribute to planetary health to prevent our patients from seeing reaping those negative rewards of us not looking after our planet. And I think the timescales of this are quite quick. I think it's within most of our lifetimes that if we are not considering the natural world and climate change, that actually the large scale impacts of that are going to come back to bite our patient populations and ourselves. I think I'm always mindful in my clinic of the social aspect of the biopsychosocial model. So I always make sure that I take some time to think with my patients about what they could be doing with their community. Now that's more um, community environment than necessarily the natural world, but I think it's so important that we um, link up our patients with their communities, that they don't feel so on their own. Um, I uh, often think with patients about the natural world actually, and, and just think about, there is a there's a school of thought that we should be using nature-based histories so not just our classic um, mental health histories where we ask all our traditional questions you know what's your mental health history have you been in hospital before what medications do you take but also that we add in a few questions about where are your favorite places um what what, what about do you find anything about nature um connects with you that kind of thing and um, it only takes a few minutes or a few seconds sorry but it can be very helpful and thinking about somebody's protective factors um, and bringing another aspect into your your formulation about patients. Um, I also think that, you know, particularly in lockdown, the outside world and the natural world comes into conversations with patients every day. People want to connect outside and it's the populations that, that we work with who don't have access to green spaces that I think it's become it becomes more more important, more prevalent. You really see the importance when you're talking to somebody, particularly the young people I work with, in how important it is for them to have access to to the natural space. I think also there's we haven't touched on this today, but but the aspect of, of eco-anxiety, you know, the, the idea, particularly in young people, but in all ages, of anxiety that comes knowing that our planet is not being looked after and that we're on a one-way street unless things change to things being very difficult indeed and the young people I work with often bring that as well you know their social responsibility as they see it their frustration that those around them aren't taking what they see as something seriously um, so that comes into my everyday practice as well and moving on to the last question which is quite a big one the college has produced a position statement about climate change which you helped to write uh, what difference do you think it can make and what needs to happen for the position statement to make a real change? Well, yes, that is a big question. <laughs> um, I think the most important thing is for psychiatrists to know that this isn't a big issue that happens outside the consulting room. This is something that affects all of us as psychiatrists, but also all of our patients every single day. And the decisions that we make today are going to have huge impacts for tomorrow, but also that we're already seeing service users who are feeling the, the negative results of climate change and of biodiversity loss. What this position statement does is spells out the links 
some of which I've touched on here today, between what is happening in the natural world and climate change and uh, mental health impacts. And it does that in quite a lot of detail, using quite a lot of evidence, which I think can be really helpful. As psychiatrists, we practice evidence-based medicine. And this is where we pull together the evidence of where our impacts, our work impacts mental health and where the inter interchange is in both directions. So what we can be doing to um, protect the natural world, but also what we should be doing to protect our patients from what's already happening. In terms of what needs to happen, I think we need to, as with all these things, it's all about education, isn't it? We need to let everybody know, training psychiatrists, qualified psychiatrists, those working in all aspects of mental health, about the links, about how intrinsically linked these things are. Climate change, sustainability and mental health are so closely linked. They are, the climate is a social determinant of health. And I think in, in coming years, we're going to see that in the same way that we now might think of smoking, um, alcohol misuse, substance misuse, um, you know, the the ACEs, the, the adverse childhood experiences, all the things that we currently think of as clear links with, with people's mental health. I think we're going to be seeing that with the environment and with climate. So spreading the um, knowledge about the links, I think, is one really important aspect, but also letting people know what can be done. Things like our top 10 tips, things like how to practice sustainable psychiatry, things like how to get social prescribing and connections with the environment for your patients embedded in your services. These aren't expensive interventions. These aren't time consuming interventions. They're things that we can all be doing every day to have a massively beneficial impact on staff, on patients and ultimately on the planet. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Dr Catherine Kennett for lending her expertise to the Climate Change Podcast mini-series. If you would like to read our full position statement on sustainability, please go to our website, www.rcpsych.ac.uk.